Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined by my brother Tony Frezza. And we got a really cool episode for you guys today. Really different format. So we happen to be out in Portland for the Iron and Mortar Summit. And that starts in a couple days. We're out here on Saturday just experiencing Portland and being tourists and checking out different gyms. And we happened to drop into a local CrossFit gym this morning. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great experience. We did a workout called Team Fight Gone Bad, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and honestly, we went into this class not wanting to shoot a podcast about this. Um, we just wanted to go in, have a great workout, and enjoy our trip. And about 40 minutes into this workout or into this class, um, I started noticing all these things that I felt like could be improved about this class that we were taking. And it started to get me thinking of, you know, this would be a really great thing for us to share with you guys and Tony and I to break down with you guys about how we think about the class experience and how we break it down in our own gym. Because we do this, this is something we do for ourselves all the time for ourselves, for other coaches. You need to be able to do this as an athlete. You need to be able to do this as a coach when you're self-reflecting about all of your different classes. So the goal was not to attack this gym and critique this gym, but really just um, you know, show you guys how we think about a class, how we break down a class, and uh, give you guys some really specific, tangible things that you can start to um, investigate in your classes and start to improve. Um, so, you know, Tony, you want to build on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we're we're out here for the Iron and Mortar Summit. We're we're here to improve our gym. So we are we are constantly always looking to improve. Um, that's probably why you're listening to this podcast right now. You want to improve your gym. Um, one of the main takeaways I got from our experience today was that this uh, gym owner, this box, isn't exactly set out to improve their gym. They seem kind of happy where they are, um, and they're not looking to to just get better and uh, improve. Yeah. But yeah. if they want to listen to this podcast, we will be happy to provide plenty of improvements that, that we feel like we saw today. Definitely. And this is a skill we want you guys to have is like we, you know, again, we didn't go into this trying to critique this particular class. I think whenever you're a gym owner, you should be able to take your classes, enjoy yourself. You're not going into it, um, you know, just trying to critique what's going on, but you should be able to take a lot of different mental notes of things that could be improved and then share those um, with your fellow coaches and, and team to make yourselves better. So we'll start with the workout. So the workout was, which was awesome. And there's a lot of really good things that we're gonna to touch on as well that happened here. Uh, the workout was team fight gone bad. So really cool format that we're probably gonna take back home and, and do in our gym someday on a Saturday soon. But it was five rounds, so championship style, team fight gone bad. Same timing, you got a minute at each movement, same movements, and you got a minute of rest after those five minutes of work. Uh, but we did five rounds total and you could break up each of those movements, each of those minutes, however you like as a team, okay? So it was a really fun format, a lot of communication involved. Um, and if you're scoring at home, we got 920 reps if you wanna try to beat us. <laughs> um, but it was it was a super fun workout and we love doing that at CrossFit Palm Beach, those team workouts on Saturdays that bring people together. And I thought that aspect of it um, was just awesome. And you know, I wanted to, to, to touch on a few of the big takeaways first. So. The biggest takeaway for me was that there wasn't enough respect for the members' time. And what I mean by that is that Team Fight Gone Bad is a 29-minute workout, okay? You don't need that last minute of rest, so it's a 29-minute workout. In our case, we had 16 people in class. We needed to run two heats. It became a 31-minute workout. 
we didn't start the actual workout until 44 minutes after the hour. Okay, so it was supposed to be a 60 minute class and even without a cool down, as soon as we finish the end of that workout, we're now at 75 minutes. So there was clearly not that care and respect for the members' times. And you know, we know at CrossFit Palm Beach, we have so many families, we have so many parents with young kids that for them, that would be a deal breaker. You know, that might work once or twice, but you're not gonna be able to keep that person on a Saturday when they wanna get to that family time. What were some of the big takeaways for you, Tony, just kind of first and foremost? Yeah, so we were doing a a, uh, classic CrossFit workout, Fight Gone Bad, and I felt like I was in a classic CrossFit box, kind of like 2013, 2014, you know, where it's just kind of like the bro, the bro landscape where it's just like hey let's hang out let's have dogs in the gym you know there's dog hair everywhere (laughs) in the gym as well um it was just so laid back there wasn't like that that valuing of the members time there wasn't that like very laid out lesson plan um, which we're really big on at crossfit palm beach is breaking down the hour minute by minute so we don't waste any time you know whether it's in our hour-long crossfit classes or our 45 minute long beach fit classes we want to spend every single minute um, getting something done. Definitely. And, you know, kind of the last big takeaway for me before we get into breaking down the, the actual class was the coach really cared and the coach really knew his stuff. I mean, from a caring standpoint, from a technical knowledge standpoint, everything was there. All the intangibles were there for this coach to do really, really well. But despite that, there were still some places where the ball was just really dropped. Um, and probably most people wouldn't notice, like they're not going to say that. But for me and you, when we break down a class and going 15 minutes over when it could have easily been done in 55 minutes with a good cool, cool down afterwards, we really feel like the ball was dropped in a couple of key areas. Um, so just giving you guys the idea of the class layout. So um, when we started, we let off with a question of the day. Um, then we went over the workout. He explained the fight gone bad workout. We did a short run um, and then a little bit of like an in-place warm-up. From there, he described all the movements of Fight Gone Bad and, and went through them in detail while we just listened. Um, then we had some time for us to practice and set up weights and do all that. Um, and then we hit the workout as a group. And then he took our scores at the whiteboard. So that was kind of the general format. And if you look at that, like pretty much everything except for the cool down was was there if you're kind of breaking down just like the aerial view of this lesson plan. Um, But I want to kind of backtrack for a second and talk about the first impression. Tony talked about it a little bit. We got there over an hour early. We actually got there like right as they were starting the 8 a.m. class, but we wanted to do the 9.30 a.m. class. We want to just kind of walk around the area and get some time to get our bearings. And the coach was great. I mean, he he came up to us pretty much right away, even though he had the 8 a.m. class there and and said hi to us, um, told us where the waivers were, and they were right there. So that process was pretty seamless. He was friendly, um, members were friendly to us, um, but you mentioned earlier, like the dogs. So talk about the dogs a little bit in that first impression. Yeah, um, so uh, we were watching a little bit of the 8 a.m. warm-up, and the dogs were not letting the coach speak. They were just barking as he was trying to go through his warm-up. Um, they were also running back and forth, could have took out some members' legs in the process, um, which could have easily been, I feel like, sectioned off almost like some CrossFit gyms do with like a kid's area. Like he had plenty of fences. They could have been, you know, once classes, you know, 
it's okay to have them there, but okay, guys, it's class time. It's 8 a.m. Time to put the dogs, you know, off to the side and just show that little bit of professionalism. Definitely. And then later on, he was demoing in our class the wall ball and the dog like messed up his wall ball explanation. And, and some of the members thought it was funny. It didn't, it, it wasn't this like huge negative thing on the class experience. But, you know, when we're talking about these little things that limit you from growth and limit you from, I hate to use this word of like appealing to the masses, but appealing to people that aren't, that aren't uh, just really going to give you their money no matter what, like appealing to people that have some standards in terms of what type of experience they want to have, those things are going to really chip away at that for them. And Um, and there's going to be plenty of gym owners at the summit and they're going to say to charge $200 plus a month, you know, or, or more. And it's like some gym owners don't feel like they can because they have an atmosphere like this. Right. It's just so laid back that like they don't feel like they can command a higher dollar. And that's where you start. You start with these little things to just build that professionalism so that you can charge a premium for your service. Definitely. And then when we came back, so we walked around after doing the waiver, came back about nine o'clock and that coach was working out in the class. And it was a small group at 8 a.m. They I think they had five people. So he became the sixth. And I could see where you think you're adding value to the experience with a small group by being that partner with someone. But you need to keep it professional and you need to deliver the value. You need to be able to technically coach during that hour. And that was a huge missed opportunity. Um, and it's just another one of those things that it is just unprofessional and it's going to, it's going to keep you from charging that higher value. From there, we wanted to talk about three things um, that we noticed that they did that we don't really do. We used to do. Um, and we want to talk about why we don't do them anymore. Okay, and the first one was the question of the day, which, you know, I didn't think it was terrible. Where I think it was terrible in this case was that we went 15 minutes over the hour. And that could have been time spent that we were more respectful of the the lesson plan. Um, But what I liked about it was the actual question he asked, which was give me your name and then give me something you're planning to do today. And I thought that was cool with other drop-ins in the class we actually got some ideas of ice cream places that we want to go check out while we're on this trip. So I thought there was value to the question of the day. Um, so what were your thoughts on it, Tony? Um, basically wondering, do they do that every day? You know, or is this just a Saturday thing? Was this just a class size thing? You know, so kind of like, do, did he have a plan? Because sometimes, you know, in our lessons plans, we have built in question of the day because we're just like, you know what, there's time. Let's foam roll for a little bit. Let's have fun. Let's have a question of a day. Let's have a game. You know, we've just planned out every minute to the hour to where if that's going to happen, it's planned for us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a fan of the question of the day when it's dosed appropriately. I like it in smaller classes. One of the reasons I'm, I'm not such a fan of just broadly saying use the question of the day is because I think it prevents you from scaling. If you start with a question of the day when you have five people in class and then you have 10 people in class. What happens when you have 25 people in the class? And then that Mm -hmm. starts to take, you know, 10 minutes of your class. And, you know, yes, we want to build a community, but we need, again, we need to be respectful of people's times. And I, I don't love the scalability of the question of the day because the, you're essentially, as you get to the numbers you want to get to, we all want to get to classes of 18 and 20 and 25 people. The question of the day now becomes more and more obsolete so you kind of have one experience when the class is small and a different experience when the class is big. Now, if that's if that's how you're going to attack it, that's not a bad idea because it's a great way to build camaraderie and community 
in your smaller classes and then slowly and slowly do away with it as you start to get bigger classes. But you got to still find ways to build community if that's your community building strategy, right? Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about, which was uh, explaining the full workout to start the class. And I'm not a huge fan of this because one, if you lead off with the question of the day, we've already been standing there for five, six, seven minutes. So now we're going to continue to stand there and we're not moving. And I think you should be moving for most of the hour. Um, But we just found that people forget. People forget most of the workout details when they're delivered right at the beginning of class. Mm -hmm. I think giving people a purpose at the beginning of the day is great. You know, it shows them that you put thought into the warm up movements that you're going to go through and then gives them extra intention as they get really low in their lunges or, or whatever it might be. You know, but as far as um, kind of giving them the whole spiel, like save it, save it for the workout. Yeah, I mean, people forget enough stuff when we tell it to them right before they're about <laughs> to do it. Um, but when you tell it to them 30 minutes before, and especially when it's a newbie, and it's like, I mean, you're like speaking in calculus to them, mm-hmm. right? For us, we we just pick up stuff a lot quicker because we've seen it a million times and we can me- remember stuff better. But when you're talking to someone in their first three to six months, they're going to forget. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fan of give me the cliff notes, give me an idea of what's going to come, but don't have me standing there for several minutes when I came here to move and I came here to have a good workout. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that we no longer do is we no longer do names and scores on the whiteboard. This is something we did away with a few years back. And it's a similar idea to the question of the day is because it it becomes no longer scalable right the bigger your classes get the larger percentage of time of that 60 minutes you spend with your back to the class writing someone's name on the right whiteboard or writing someone's scores on the whiteboard what are some other things that that kind of stick out to you with the names on the whiteboard what we did why we did away with that so one of the biggest things was is the way you talk about the workouts and and this transferred right into the way he talked about the workout was that he talked about instead of talking about like you know form and safety and technique it was all about what is a full rep what rep counts for score so that that score can go on the board and we did this same thing years ago like we really did we you know we were like make sure your hips get below parallel make sure you fully extend on the box like yes those things are important to know in a general sense but you don't have to explain it every single time a movement comes up so that you're instead of focusing on safety first you're focusing on full reps first which ultimately leads to bad technique right because people are just trying to hit full you know as many reps as possible to get that score on the whiteboard and then you know you're kind of tracking backwards with a athlete that's a you know just trying to go for rx when they shouldn't be or yeah definitely we want we want to make it about like how we're going to attack the workout what is the process what is the mindset we want to in not necessarily just that that end result Um, and I think there's benefits to the whiteboard you know one it's gonna help you remember names better it's gonna help your members learn names better Um, there's an accountability aspect to it Um, if you get people really involved in it you can bring them back up to the board at the end of class it can be like this nice bookend to the end of your class there's benefits to it I think it for me it still comes back to time of of seeing our coaches in a class of 20 losing minutes where they're not interacting they're not building relationships they're not coaching they're just simply trying to keep track and i don't think that's a good job 
that we want our coaches performing in that class experience. Yeah, and that's that's minutes on the lesson plan that would just be like that's wasted. Yeah, we have we have to get it out, and because I have other stuff to do. Definitely. So let's go kind of more uh, class in the progression of the class. Okay, so let's go back to the the warm up. Okay, with that warm up, um, I think it was pretty clear to me. It wasn't a the general warm up wasn't bad, right? It was a good general warm up, but it was pretty clear to me that it was just kind of thrown together on the spot because we had a bigger class by their standard, 16 people. And it it didn't seem like it was well planned in advance. And then you kind of saw with not having a good specific warmup that I think that's the case. And I could easily see where that general warmup we did was something that they probably do three, four, five times a week of some variation of that. And I think that that just kind of leads to disengagement and people not really, they, they don't really see the value of what you're putting in there. Also, we had two barbell movements. We had the sumo deadlift high pull and the push press. And he even said, hey, guys, we don't do sumo deadlift high pull a lot. Great, you know, great reason to put that into a um, specific warm-up of the barbell with those two movements and just guide us along because his explanation took longer than what we could have, (laughs) you know, achieved in shorter time with us and just going through the movements. You know, here's the setup. Everyone do a setup, you know, even partnering up it still would have been faster than his full explanation of the two movements. Yeah, it was. So we ended that general warm up where we spread out and then we kind of stayed spread out. Everyone kind of came in a, a couple steps. So we were a little bit closer together, but still in this like big circle. And he went through movement by movement of the five movements of fight gone bad and like broke down each one in detail. And honestly, his explanations, his teaching, his knowledge was phenomenal. He had everything broken down. Um, you mentioned earlier that was a little bit on the competitive side of terms of how he said things, and I fully agree with that. But I mean, I was picking up cues and the ways he was saying stuff, especially about the sumo deadlift high pole. That I was like, I'm going to use that when I get home. That mm-hmm. was good stuff. He knew what he was saying. Oh yeah. But we spent, you know, it was cold. It's cold for us. <laughs> it's 50 <laughs> degrees. We're wearing sweatshirts. We did a short run outside. We did a five minute little in place warm up, and I didn't quite get hot to begin with and two minutes into that I'm already cooling down he talked for six seven eight minutes straight about all the different movements as we're just standing there watching you know again after question of the day and after workout explanation that also was standing around yeah so and he he also you know we had there's a certain layout fight combat has to have right with five different stations he was like kind of saying what would happen but didn't know exactly for sure he was like, I think, you know, there's going to be rowers over there and then boxes are going to be over here. But there wasn't like one laid out to show us exactly how to lay out everything else. And I think that would have really helped if just one uh, station, one lane was set up really well. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of put a bow on this idea is like, I want you guys thinking about what is your what what is your ratio of talking to moving in any given class, right? We, we, we want to keep our people moving and you know, and we also want to d- disperse information over time, right? People are only going to remember one or two things if you give them one or two things. If you give them 10 things, they're going to remember nothing. They're not going to remember one or two. They're going to remember zero. So you have to give them one or two things at a time. And then if they have the ability to try it or practice it or adjust on the fly, like if he would have had us do a, have the barbell in our hands, do a couple sumo deadlifts and then talk about one of his good cues was 
how to kind of bring the bar down. If he would have given us a second set where we focused more on bringing the bar down rather than the uh, extension up, then it would have it would have been layered in, and all of us would have retained and picked up a lot more than you know just the brain dump that essentially happened on us. Yeah, I think like you know we really think about it in our beach fit classes, which are only forty five minutes long, right? And and probably some gym owners are listening to this like, oh, how do you have forty five minute classes? How do you have thirty minute classes? And that's how you do it. You break it down so that you are not talking that much, and you are making them move, and they're getting more moving done compared to how much you talk. Yeah, and even if you can't get one-on-one coaching in that environment, um, like meaning you, you, you have a class of 25 people and it's just, it's not happening where you're gonna cue very many people in a barbell progression. If you can layer stuff in and give stuff people stuff to think about in pieces, you're gonna get better, you're gonna get some, you're gonna get people to move better without having to coach them individually. And I think that's a, a cool point to make. Um, you mentioned the logistics and preparation. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. And and again, there's so many things that he was on the ball with. Like he had a stagger by two minutes, and he even explained to us that we ex- we staggered by two minutes because the way it would be set up is we would never have someone on a barbell next to someone who was on a box, right? And they were fairly closely set up. And he said, whenever a team's on a barbell that other team will either also be on a barbell or they will be resting. And he knew with the rowers, like, I don't want you to be on the rower and then not have any time to clear the rower before the next team came in. So it was purposely done at two minutes apart. So you would always have your minute on the rower plus an extra minute of cushion at the least to clear the rower for the next team. So it's like, this guy knew his stuff. He knew what was going on. He explained it to us really well, but he still dropped the ball with some things. And what were some of the other things that you saw that he dropped the ball with? I think specifically, uh, I think it was 16 people in our class. It was 16, yeah, I counted. It felt it filled the room. We filled the room wall to wall, plus a couple dogs, right? <laughs> like, so, you know, there was definitely ways to do that better to where when you ask your current members, hey, let's have bring a friend day, bring a friend in. And they're like, no, we're already wall to wall. Why would I bring a friend in here? You know, I already have a good thing going. Why would I mess it up by bringing more people in here? They got to feel like there's more space for those friends, right? Definitely. And I think that's where they're really missing out, especially on like a, a partner Saturday. If, if it's bring a friend Saturday, partner Saturday, there's got to be more space for those friends to come. Yeah. And when we, uh, when we set up for our class, the rowers were in one spot from the previous class and we had to move them to a completely different spot. So it was, it was clear that the ADM class was set up specifically for them. And then the our class, 9.30 AM class, was set up specifically for us. Instead of just before the 8 AM class saying, what is the biggest class I could expect today? What is this thing gonna look like with two heats? Let me just get the rowers there before class in the position I want them to. If it's a smaller class, fine. They're still gonna have a great experience and it's actually gonna look cleaner because they're gonna know exactly where to go. They're gonna be able to see it and know how it flows. But when we get that bigger class, we're not going to have to waste minutes of our lesson plan and shift things around trying to put the rowers where they need to be, right? So also knowing how many rowers you have. I think they had six rowers. Mm -hmm. So you got to know, okay, if we get 13 people, 14 people, we have to go to two heats because that's our limiting factor in this workout. Yeah. And then um, speaking about like the bro landscape of like old CrossFit is like you always like you would let your especially your better athletes just set up however they wanted 
right? So that they had the box and the rower and the barbell and like this perfect like square and wall ball set up, you know, so that they didn't miss a second. And I feel like that's what, that's how he kind of looks at a class and says like, I'm going to let those better athletes just set up however they want to get the best, best score possible rather than setting up for the biggest class and then make those athletes walk a little bit. You know, you're going to have to walk to your rower. I'm sorry. Like you're going to have to walk the six feet through the rig to the other side. Yeah. And then the other thing I caught, which was just kind of funny, was he was taping a wall ball line uh, as we're doing our like trying out the push press and trying out the sumo deadlifts and measuring it. too. He was was measuring it. He had measuring tape out. He had a box out. The group that needed the wall ball line was helping him. And he was taping the line on this kind of separate area of the room. And, uh, you know, that's that's a thing where it's like this person cares, this coach cares. They're going out of the way to help this person have a great experience. But if you're having to tape a wall ball line with 16 people in a class, in a partner workout, where you only have eight people working at any given time, then that just means you didn't put the care into it in advance to make sure this this issue never arised in the first place. Because it could have easily been done without having to tape a, a line and spending you know, three, four minutes of your time to do it instead of coaching people, it was just, it was just, uh, it was a <laughs> laughable to me to see that. Yeah. And I hope, I hope Monday morning says to do list paint wall ball lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So you hit on the wad strategy a little bit of being kind of competition focused. Um, I want to hit on that again. It was just as like, you know, he was talking about rebounding box jumps. He was talking about locking out the push press and and not doing jerks and not pushing out in front and those are important things to say like if you're if you're about to coach a class and you know that like hey a lot of people on the push press are going to rush these they're not going to lock out their elbows they're going to press in front rather than getting their body stacked at the top if you're going to if you're going to coach that and help people avoid that because you want them to move better and be safer and be healthier then take that angle. You can take the different angle to the same information and it's gonna be received better. It doesn't need to be about getting credit for the rep or not. And that's how he presented the push press and the depth on the wall ball and uh, opening up the hips on the box jump. It was all presented in a way of getting credit for the rep. And it's just, we're, we're past that. It's not, we're not here to get people you know, better in the competition sense where we're here to get them more generally fit. Yeah. He mentioned being forward in your wall ball and how that would keep you from getting full depth. And it's like, or, you know, you can mention how it puts extra pressure on your knees because your knees are driving forward or it's compromising your lumbar because, you know, your lower back is folding over instead of keeping a nice neutral spine. You know, and that was never said. It was all about the full depth of the rep. Definitely. Um, so one of the ways we break down a class is we talk about the different roles. This is straight from the Rockstar Coaching course. We talk about the, the cheerleader role and the director role and the technician role, um, programmer role. And then at the top of our pyramid, we all aspire to be the coach. And to be the coach, you got to master those other four roles. And, you know, what I saw when I when I just took this class was this was a coach that was a really good, well, I don't want to say really good because we, we picked up on these lack of preparation things, but he spent all of his time in director mode. So during the workout, he essentially just was calling out the clock. Um, it's just a stand, it was just a standard wall clock, but it didn't beep at all. So he was basically having to call out every single minute of rotation 
for all 31 minutes that both teams were working. And he was great at it, honestly. He was. he was really good. He never missed a minute. And he was really good about giving us that 3-2-1 go or 3-2-1 rotate for every single minute. But that was something that could have easily been automated. If he just, I don't know if those clocks do it. We use an actual computer and a, um, a website that has the timer with the countdowns on it at CrossFit Palm Beach. It works phenomenal. But he literally could have taken away the entire job that he did for 31 minutes by just using a certain setting on the clock or using a different clock altogether. Yeah, I mean, that's basically 10 seconds of of every minute of those 29 minutes, 31 minutes, that he had to direct his attention back towards the clock. And there was probably more time, you know, that he took away from the members. But yeah, I mean, that's stuff that you can automate, like... I know he didn't really do it, but like coaches will stay on the music too much. You know, I don't think he like went to the computer to change music at all. But that's another director thing. That's just like set it and forget it. Like just let it go and have it done for you. Yeah. And then when I say he stayed in that director mode, I mean, you said he was taking some pictures as well that I didn't even catch that. I was dying in the middle of that workout. Um, But he said he basically just managed a clock and took pictures. I didn't hear any hear or see any technical coaching. I didn't see him get one-on-one with anybody. I didn't really see him get like close enough into anybody's like personal space to really even do that level of coaching. Um, and that was a huge missed opportunity. I mean, you know, he said it with a sumo deadlift high pull. It's not a movement we do a lot. There's plenty of stuff to cue and correct on that. Um, and, and what's cool about a partner workout, and this is something we teach our coaches, is that yes, fight gone bad is such a fast pace. It is very hard to get someone to make an adjustment when they're trying to rep out 30 push press in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. But what you get is you get 30 seconds of downtime to talk to that person about how they could do it better the next time. And you, you might not get like, try to cue them during it, try to give them one really simple cue that they can do. Maybe it's they're in their toes in a push press and it's heels, 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 like give them that cue that's matching their pace in that workout. I think that's a big thing we talk about as well is when you're giving someone a cue, in a fight gone bad high pace workout, match your intensity of your cueing and your voice and your energy to their intensity so you know, hey, I don't want you to slow down, but you gotta move better. And, you know, but in addition to that, you can add that cueing, but then you also get that downtime when they're resting to say, hey, let's go ahead and stay back in our heels next time. Everything looked really good, but let's keep let's keep in those heels next round through. And think something I like to see and something I like to do as a coach, um, in a workout like this, it's somewhat of a benchmark, um, is, is kind of turn it up round to round, right? So in the first round, you're kind of like lower key cheerleader, maybe even the music's a little bit lower, but then as you go into that, that fifth round, you gotta get fired up and just like let them feel your energy to help push them through that last round because those last two rounds were pretty tough and then you're, no, your members really need it in that last round to have that energy from the cheerleader role. Yeah, definitely, that was, uh, that was another missed opportunity. I actually didn't even, catch that again. I think I was just kind of dying at that point. Um, <laughs> you needed the energy. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, he, and he did pretty decent with, with the cheerleader role, like in terms of before and after class, he was genuinely interested with, you know, he asked about our injury history. He was genuinely interested in, in the answer. After class, he gave us restaurant recommendations. He hung out with us. He wanted to have a, a good, us to have a good experience in Portland. Like the caring was there. Some of that cheerleader role was there. But when we talk about in that zero to 60 minute time frame of the actual class, if you're not interacting with individual people during that class, you're not asking them how they're feeling. You're not asking them how their day is going. 
you're not uh, coaching them and giving them a specific cue for them, then you've done, you haven't done anything to build that relationship and show that value in class. And that's where we talk about director mode versus cheerleader or technician mode is that director mode is a macro mode. It's managing the group, whereas cheerleader and technician happens one-on-one. It's relationship building, it's getting people to move better, and it has to happen in a one-on-one environment. Yeah, you have to be focused on getting each person better each day. You know, we talk about this in our meetings with our coaches, is did you leave that person the same, better, or worse? And your goal should be better with everyone on a micro level and not just kind of leave the class like that was a better class, that was a great class. Try to focus and look and look back at your class and did I get this person better, did I get this person, and just take inventory of how you did, you know? Yeah, and uh, we're gonna wrap things up here. I wanted to kind of tie a bow on this, and this is something I mentioned on, uh, I think it was on the Active Life podcast I was recently on, is the difference between creating a, a strong community and this family feel versus simply being unprofessional. And this was a case where we definitely feel like in the minds of the owner and the coaches and even the members that are there, this is a gym that has a great family feel. But in the minds of us and all the people they've probably lost over the last 12 months and all the people they're not getting into the doors because they can't connect with the messaging is it, it's just simply unprofessional. Um, and that's things like, you know, the dogs barking. It's things like the lack of respect for time. It's, it's things like not taking the time and energy to prepare in advance and stage the room for a moderate to large class, not even a large class. I don't even want to go that far. <laughs> Um, what are the things, I mean, any other things that you want to touch on to kind of wrap a bow on this thing? Yeah. I don't want to feel like we're just picking apart like this, this experience for us. Cause it was overall it was a great experience. We had an amazing workout and we, we critique each day in our own lives. Like this is, I think this is why we've gotten as far as we have, um, as a gym and how we've grown to be a seven figure box is that Andrew and I critique each other and can, you know, have conversations that might hurt a little bit at times because we're just talking about you know the good the bad the ugly and everything and we're addressing it we're not we're not skating around it we've created this atmosphere with our coaches as well where we encourage them to give feedback to other coaches and we do it every week in our meetings and i think that's really the only way we get better in you know for gyms that do want to improve you got to have that that some, that set of eyes looking at you and helping you out you know if this gym wanted to get better they have to bring in someone bring in someone from the outside to get a fresh look and and tell them you know very honestly what's what's going on definitely um and, and yeah if you guys want to take things to the next level uh you gotta you gotta have this approach you gotta want to professionalize what you're doing you know if you don't want to be coaching classes forever and you want to have um, some things that your tangible things that your other coaches can improve and you can work on with them, you need these kind of conversations in place. Um, so hopefully that you guys found that helpful. Um, as always, if you guys have any feedback or questions, reach out to us or reach out to me at Andrew at CrossFitPalmBeach.com or Tony at CrossFitPalmBeach.com and we'd be happy to help with anything we can.